0: If you give us a station ID, they'll kill me if I don't
1: don't ask. I'd hate to see you killed. This is Steve Robinson, temporarily back on Earth, in Davis, on KDVS 90.3.
0: This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. This is uh, our, last, uh, our last show before Christmas. Of course, you only have two shopping days left as of this, Thursday the 22nd. And uh, I guess we need some festive Christmas music, don't we, Mr. McMillan? That, of course, is Radio Parallax's favorite Christmas song, the, the Barking Dogs version of Jingle Bells. You know, we thought about doing a show where we do the best holiday music and the worst holiday music. Uh, we were especially going to be keen to do the worst holiday music. But, um, you know, "Rocking Around the Christmas Tree, Jingle Bell Rock, which which are actually far worse than The Barking Dogs. But we couldn't get any help on it, so I guess if... if well, we'll just plan to do that one next year, maybe. Because this is our Christmas show, or should we say our holiday season show... We're going to do our best to make this an entirely up program. We decided to, um, to deal only in topics that are really uplifting sorts of things, so we're going to rely heavily naturally on science and do what we can to bypass politics. But we're going to do a little bit of politics, and let's start the show as we normally would with this day in history. On this day in history, in the year 640, the Saracens under Amru ibn al-As conquer Alexandria Oh, this is a bad one to do on Christmas. Let's do that one on next week's show, even though it happened today. Save that one. Let's go instead to, on this day in 1849, the Russian writer Fyodor Dostoevsky is led before a firing squad. He had been convicted and sentenced to death on November 16th for allegedly taking part in anti-government activities. However, at the last moment, he was reprieved and sent into exile. And I wish Dr. Andy was here to help us with this one. I'm not sure what he wrote in Exile, but of course he's best known for works such as Crime and Punishment and The Brothers Karamazov. In 1894, on this date, December 22nd, in a highly irregular trial, smacking of anti-Semitism, French officer Alfred Dreyfus is convicted of treason by a court-martial and sentenced to life in prison for his alleged crime of passing military secrets to the Germans. After evidence of a cover-up really, and a frame-up was made public, Dreyfus was pardoned in 1899. So that one actually ultimately had a happy ending. And that is such a, such an incredible story that at some point um, uh, in the months to come, we're going to try and tell you the story of what happened to Alfred Dreyfus. And on this date, in 1838, a coelacanth, a five-foot-long prehistoric fish thought to be extinct to the tune of something like 50 million years, was discovered live near the Comor Islands uh, between Madagascar and the African mainland. They were identified by Marjorie Courtenay Latimer of Cape Town, South Africa, from among a trawler's catch. It was hailed as one of the greatest scientific discoveries of the century. The coelacanth is a lobe-finned fish, although it's not uh, directly related to... Um, the fish that first crawled out onto land and gave rise to uh, amphibians, reptiles, and vertebrates uh, galore. It, uh, it was a cousin, and it surely was a fabulous discovery, and I don't know whether you've kept up on this, but uh, they recently managed to get some uh, some footage of these creatures um, uh, swimming around live, and they've located them also off the Indonesian uh, sea coast. so they're actually fairly well spread across the Indian Ocean. Our quote of the day comes from architect Addison Misner, who said, Misery loves company, but company does not reciprocate. And we're going to do our darndest to avoid misery, as we said on this program. Our statistic of the day comes from Time. SRBI poll noted that 60% of Americans say they would like the next president to be completely different from President Bush. 36% said they would like someone similar. For the record, Radio Parallax favors someone who is completely different. All right, let's do the Good Week for Bad Week 4 section of the program, shall we? We do love... Uh... Week Magazine's uh, section on this, and we've made this a regular sharp part of the show, and doggone it, don't you think that the Week Magazine should be becoming a sponsor here at KDVS? We're going to have to see what we can do about that. Uh, anyway, the Week Magazine last week judged it a good week for old school detective work. After Pennsylvania police managed to track a burglar from the crime scene to his home, by simply following the footprints he'd left in a fall of fresh snow. Conversely, it was judged a bad week for a sense of proportion after a Michigan police officer turned his taser stun gun on his partner during an argument about whether or not they should stop for a soda. We're, we're pretty sure that, that one of the officers probably had a little bit too much caffeine as it was. All right, but uh, back on the Good Week 4 side, it was judged a good week for cruel, inhuman, or degrading treatment, or at least a recalibration of those terms, after Saddam Hussein's former intelligence chief, Barzam Ibrahim Al Takriti, complained he was in captivity for four months before U.S. forces provided him with cigarettes. And then they were of the worst quality in the world, said Mr. Al Takriti. You know, as I say, we're looking for the positive on this show, and as far as we're concerned, this is a golden opportunity for Barzan Ibrahim Al-Takriti to give up smoking. And our final item, you should pay attention to this one, it was a bad week last week for doing your homework. After an Ohio businessman spent $560,000 opening a sports bar before discovering he located it in a dry district that doesn't permit the sale of alcohol. Mike uh, Boulogne, owner of Legends Sports Pub and Grill, is now hoping the bar can survive on food sales alone until May, when voters in Plain Township have a chance to legalize liquor sales. Until then, says Bologna, we're the only sports bar in the world, we think, that doesn't sell alcohol.
1: There's a tear
0: All right, and of course, this is the Christmas season, and uh, you know we thought we would do this item from Radar magazine. Uh, it was basically taboo terms per the writer's guide for those Christian romance novels you see. Um, these are published by Steeple Hill, a Harlequin imprint, and uh, they've advised writers, in fact, if you out there, listeners, with Christmas on your mind are thinking of getting down and writing one of these Christian romance novels for steeple hill keep in mind you will not be permitted to use any of the following words or phrases oh my god or oh god except when it's clearly part of an actual prayer but not as an exclamation you will not be permitted to use the words buttock or butt but you can say derriere or backside breast is verboten except when referring to breast cancer arousal is not good Dang, dern, or dern are not acceptable. Dagnabbit is not acceptable. You will not be permitted to use either g's or jeez, but you can use sheesh. And if you're going to write a Christian romance novel for Steeple Hill, you can't use passion, sexy, sexual attraction, tempting as applied to the opposite sex, undergarments of any kind, harlot, whore, or miracle, except when used in the biblical context. Finding that Diet Coke was a miracle is not allowed. All right, for aspiring Christian romance, novel writers, have at it. All right, we believe on this program that uh, we can count upon science to bring us good news, so in our second and third segments, we're going to hit that pretty hard, but I'm looking for non-science items for our first uh, segment here in the good news department. Well, this is a surprise. that We would put this in the good news file in a way, but uh, Ariel Sharon is uh, now out of the hospital after having a stroke and is going forward to form a moderate party. The Likud, meanwhile, has gone to Benjamin Netanyahu, but uh, they feel that Sharon is the overwhelming favorite to win in the upcoming election, and he's determined to take the country in a moderate direction, and we're pleased to see this. So, uh, so uh, good health, Ariel Sharon. Boy, politics does make strange bedfellows, doesn't it? And we figure we're probably the only, uh, the only radio show that we know of that relies on Mother Jones, The Economist, New Scientist, and the parade section of the Sunday paper. But ladies and gentlemen, we feel we must comb. Comb the data that's out there to try and round out uh, the information that you need. And uh, this following item comes from the parade section. It was noted uh, last Sunday in their intelligence report that in 1605, the people in Strasbourg, France were the first to bring a Christmas tree indoors and adorn it with sweets. The tradition didn't reach England until 1841, said Ralph de and David High, authors of a new book, Christmas Ornaments Recollections. The authors note that glass ornaments first replaced sweets in Germany in 1860, and the original silver icicles in the 1950s were made of lead. Santa uh, showed up in the, the early 1800s. Of course, the, uh, that, the famous poem, "'Twas the Night Before Christmas," is, what, 1840? An American addition to the tradition, I believe. But uh, the original Santa was skinny, stooped, stern-faced, and grim. The plump and jolly version of, of St. Nick, which is so familiar to all of you in this current season, Uh, became popular in the U.S. courtesy of print advertisements in the 1930s. Not coincidentally, uh, the colors on Santa Claus's outfit, red and white, coincided rather nicely with the Coca-Cola Company, which did its best to put out that image of a fat, jolly Santa drinking a Coke. We would note in this show that we're not huge Howard Stern fans. Uh, Sacramento apparently was not so keen on Howard as the rest of the nation. Uh, KHWD ranked 17th among Sacramento listeners between 25 and 54, according to Arbitron ratings. But uh, Howard has now moved on to Sirius. So if you're a fan of Mr. Stern, you'll be able to enjoy him on uh, satellite radio all across the country. And of course, if you're not a fan of Stern, you won't have to listen to him here on your AM dial. So there's going to be winners either way. We might make the same statement for the next item, which is the surprising news that singer Bob Dylan will begin hosting a weekly radio music show on XM Satellite Radio beginning in March. The hour-long show will be a mix of music selected by Dylan as well as commentary, XM announced last week. Dylan will also interview guests, including other artists. And I have a feeling, I have a very feeling deep in my bones, that Radio Parallax is going to score an interview soon with Bobby Dylan about his move to XM. So stay tuned for that one. Personally, we can't wait. Can you see Bob Dylan interviewing Robert Goulet? So Bob, did you ever think you would be playing two different roles in the South Pacific 30 years apart? And some further further good news on our good news show this week. We asked you last week to make your voices heard if you uh, disagreed with the assertion of Armando Acuna, the public editor at the Sacramento Bee, that uh, the Sacramentans were not interested in the Valerie Plame case. We hope that you did so. Uh, certainly many people did so, which caused him last uh, Sunday to open his column with the following, my wait is over. Thank you, readers. Last Sunday, I wrote about readers' apparent lack of interest in the Valerie Plame story and the federal investigation into who outed her as a CIA agent. Though the story's reach has touched the top of Washington's political and media food chains, from President Bush to journalist Bob Woodward, the Bee's readers seemed oddly disconnected, and I said so, adding I'd waited months for reader comments. No more. A deluge of readers' emails and phone messages began Sunday and continued all week. By the dozens, people said they were keenly interested in the story and were following its complex machinations as best they could, even if they weren't writing to the paper to talk about it. Acuna noted that a hefty reader response, easily in the top three of all topics I've written about this year, covered the gamut. Reading down further, he said, Many readers said the bee does not provide enough information about the investigation, and when it does, it is often truncated and buried inside the paper. An email from reader Karen Thomas uh, to the B said that, um, that uh, she and her husband found their best sources of information about the Plame case in places other than their local paper. My husband and I are very interested and follow every twist and turn as the case unfolds. We simply do not rely on the Bee as our source of new information. Instead, we receive daily emails with headlines from the New York Times and Washington Post so we can read the in-depth stories as they come out. She said, "In addition, I log on to Google News, the Huffington Post, and Drudge Report several times a day to check for breaking stories." We find this very encouraging. We, of course, do the same thing on this program, and I know our other public affairs hosts do likewise. Rely upon the web, but uh, you know, not to denigrate the Sacramento Bee, we we read it. Uh, we read it every week and think that it is necessary to have a, uh, a newspaper to provide you with. Um, What you certainly don't get from the electronic media, certainly not from television. We think that, uh, well, personally, I think the web, the radio, and newspapers are what you need to be informed. Television, the more you watch, the less you know. Well, we feel somewhat confident that probably at least some of you out there listening contacted The Bee after hearing the show last week and, and helped make them realize that there's a lot of interest in this case. And in a follow-up letter to the B after that column appeared, Robert Hanson of Rancho Murrieta wrote, There are many like me waiting quietly but impatiently for what comes out of the current investigation and what will be developed by good investigative reporting. Sadly, those guilty of this ugly crime appear to be well insulated by their secrecy armor plate, which takes time to penetrate, but which could open another Pandora's box. So good on you. And uh, we're going to, of course, continue to follow that story and hope to bring uh, Ambassador Joseph Wilson back on the program. More good news. People seem to be uh, feeling their oats on the political opposition in this country uh, after George Bush goes on Fox television and uh, comments on uh, the matter of former House Majority Leader Tom DeLay. Uh, asked during the interview last week whether he believed DeLay was innocent of the charges of money laundering and conspiracy. Yes, I do. The president replied, which then asked, which prompted people like Harry Reid to then say, "Well, if the president's going to comment on cases uh, that are out there uh, before the legal uh, system, then maybe he ought to speak up about Patrick Fitzgerald's inquiry into the leaking of CIA agent Valerie Plame's name." I don't know whether you noticed this, but conservative, conservative columnist Robert Novak, who's at the center, the bullseye of this storm, um, the man who first published Valerie Plame's name. Suggested uh, this week that Bush knows who in the White House leaked it. All right, so more good news. The Public Utilities Commission here in California has now uh, resurrected a plan to, uh, to offer rebates for installing roof panels for solar power on homes and businesses. Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger's plan to install solar panels on a million California roofs has found new life, said Kevin Yamamura of the B Capital Bureau, after political infighting doomed the proposal earlier this year in the legislature. We think that's a good thing. Governor Schwarzenegger, of course, has done some things we have been critical of, and he's done some things that we we approve of. That's one we approve of, and we have to admire his guts in telling the mayor of Graz, Austria that he can just damn well take his name off the stadium in his hometown that was named after him. According to Gary Delson and the Bee, Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger sent a pointed letter to the mayor of his hometown in Austria Monday demanding that his name be removed from the local soccer stadium. Angry over local politicians' threats to rename Arnold Schwarzenegger stadium in protest to the execution of Stanley Tookie Williams, the governor promised the mayor of Graz a follow-up letter from his personal lawyer. I expect the lettering to be removed by the end of 2005, Schwarzenegger declared. The governor sent a letter saying he would remain in his, in all my heart, a grozer, and then he looks forward to his next visit, but he was clearly irked by the regular threats from socialists and Green Party members of the city council to punish him for supporting California's death penalty. Austria does not have capital punishment. Now, there's, much, there's been a lot of bad news about the fact that the U.S. is not, uh, not agreeing to do anything about... Um, The Kyoto Agreement, we should look on the bright side. In Montreal this week, a UN conference on global warming ended with a watershed agreement by more than 150 nations to open talks on mandatory post-2012 reductions in greenhouse gases. So the Bush administration is not playing along, and apparently they're not playing along in India, and they're not playing along in China, but doggone it, everybody else in the world seems to be seeing the light and moving in the right direction, and to that we say, bravo. And the Ninth Circuit Court uh, of Appeals is going to remain intact for at least one more year. The California-based judicial circuit that conservatives love to hate will survive intact. Uh, After lawmakers pulled back from the brink of splitting up the sprawling uh, Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, After coming as close as they ever have, instead the big budget bill cutting approved by the House on Monday sidestepped this controversy which it had once embraced. And in our final good news item, they voted in Iraq last week. They're trying to put together a new constitution. No matter what happens to that uh, strife-torn country, this has to be viewed as a good thing, a step in the right direction. We hope that uh, this can bring about peace quickly and that um, the... U.S. troops can can come home soon. And now for our bumper music to go out on this segment with, I think we should do the runner-up to the uh, Barking Dogs Jingle Bells, which would be our perennial favorite, James Brown's Santa Claus Goes Straight to the Ghetto.
1: Santa Claus goes straight to the ghetto. Hitch up your reindeer, uh, Go straight to the ghetto
0: You're listening to KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento I'm your host, Douglas Everett And this is Radio Parallax The kids are gonna love you so uh. Leave a toy for
1: Johnny Leave a doll for Mary Leave something fruity for it And don't Forget about Gary. Santa Claus, go straight to the ghetto. Santa Claus, go straight to the ghetto. Tell him James Brown sent you. <laughs> go straight to the ghetto. You know that I know what you will see. Cause that was once me. Hit it, hit it, you see mothers and soul brothers.